Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. All right, episode 19 of the Asking Why podcast. I got the Louder Baking Company on here today. I'm super excited about it. So welcome, guys, to the to the show. Thank you very Thank much you for so having much. us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So just to let people know, like, we used to be neighbors. You know, we lived two houses down. Kids played all the time. And so, you know, I've gotten to see, um, from my perspective, you kind of, your kind of story play out, you know. And so I just thought it would be awesome to have you guys on today. And like we talked about before we, we went live, like just tell your story, who you are, kind of how this small business has taken off and grown and how it's doing so well in Treeport. Um, and on, on one end, for people listening to know, like if you have a dream of doing a small business, that you can do it. That, you know, especially in Treeport and Bossier, I think there's a huge like, oh, you know, question around business and, and where Shreveport's headed. And, and yet I've seen a lot of families and people like y'all and other people our age who are in their 40s or in their 30s, like starting their own businesses and like trying to bring life to Shreveport. And it's going really, really well for a lot of us. And so I think uh, part of that was just like that was the conversation I wanted to have today to give people hope, but also like talk through the ins and outs of small business and you know, it's Mardi Gras season, so I know you guys are all up in the king cakes. Yay, y'all brought me one, so <laughs> for those of you listening, you can't see it, but it's in my office, and I'm sure my therapist will be super happy about that. So <laughs> if there's any left by the time we get done with the podcast, I'll be I just We just got one last weekend, so it was really good. And uh, So anyway, so that's the intro. Um, any comments on that, thoughts? You've been, uh, you've been able to see kind of the growth of Louder Baking Company from – our house all the way to the bakery from the beginning. So even excited to be that. here. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah cause um, you were like we bringing just... snacks over. <laughs> <laughs> we had our everyday jobs we had before we dived into whatever this is now. Um, yeah, I was a nurse and she did real estate and it was wake up early, go to work, come home, take care of kids, repeat. And hardly get to see anybody. I'd hardly get to see kids. I'd hardly get to see Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start there. So Preston and Sarah, right? Yes. So they're the louders. That'll be on there. So people will know in the intro. But um, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about kind of who y'all are, um, you know, how y'all met, where you're from, you know, all that kind of intro stuff. So we, gosh, we had some uh, mutual friends introduce us, uh, funny enough, at a Mardi Gras parade in college. Nice. So we met to be. It was meant to be. <laughs> Mardi Gras in, in our, our whole story. Um, but yeah, we're both Shreveport natives. Um, you know, I'm born and raised in Shreveport. Preston's born and raised in Shreveport. And we really grew up um, with so many parallels, but didn't really know each other. You know, had some mutual friends, but... We crossed paths a lot. Um, we, you know, found out later that we were in the same choir group as like little preschoolers, and um, 
but we didn't really meet until towards the end of college and uh, we had some of our mutual friends kind of introduce us and kind of met at Mardi Gras parade we were both planning at the time to like go way separate directions I was you know had my my eyesight on moving to Boston for a job opportunity and Preston was going to go back down south and I started dating and it just kind of really took off and um, about nine or ten months later he proposed (laughs) it's truly it's truly one of those stories where it's like um when you know you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean it wasn't long like things are gonna have to change (laughs) like everything like you plan or you think that you plan no i I really feel like both of us went into when we first started dating senior year of college i was at louisiana tech preston um was finishing up at lsu and we were both like, oh, you know, this this will be fun. This will be, we'll, we'll start dating. And it just turned into something much more than that, so much That's more awesome. quickly. And so uh, we both decided, all right, well, maybe maybe we'll just both stay in Shreveport for a little while. Just kind of see how things go. And we'll, we'll plan on, you know, moving away to these exotic places. And um, Preston was, uh, had started nursing school. And so I graduated from tech, um, started my job here in Shreveport, both here in Shreveport. And... Um, we got married. Uh, we're engaged for about a year. Got married, and then um, and that had, was what year? That was we. So we got engaged in two thousand nine. Got married in two thousand ten. So yeah. we just celebrated our ten year anniversary. That's awesome. Um, Congrats! It thank goes you. by like that. It goes Dude, by yeah, so fast. for sure. Well, I was laughing as you're telling your story. I'm thinking like, like we have a totally different story, but that's the point. Like people ask me all the time, like what's a good amount of time to date and what's a good, and it's like, it depends on the couple and the circumstances and God. It really, I mean, on paper for us, it just, you know, it seemed kind of crazy. You know, it was all kind of a whirlwind and um, nine months is nothing, right? No, really. (laughs) And um, so started dating, got engaged, got married. And, um, you know, we had all these thoughts of like, Oh, well, this is what we'll plan to do. Yeah. And then we, um, Best laid plans, right? Yeah. That we found out, uh, right after we got married that we had, uh, Mary Ellen, our oldest daughter on the way. Nice. So we're like, all right, I guess we're not moving anywhere anytime soon. And then we had our, our second child, Molly, and then our third child, Charlie. And we're like, all right, we, we think we're in Shreveport for, for good. We're going to, you know, plan <clears throat> our roots here. And, um, so you know, had our three kids. We were both working at the time full-time jobs. You know, mm-hmm. I was working um, for an oil and gas company and kind of their real estate um, part. And Preston was in the neurosurgical ICU. Yeah, because I remember that. I mean, I remember you working your, when we went, remember we went and hauled that trash that day. <laughs> and I remember you like, you know, just being exhausted and working shift work and just working shift. so much. And I remember Jason and I being like, good Lord, like he's never home. Like, you know, like he's gone all the time. You know, yeah, there was even a time when I was working nights. Yeah. It, it, and so then when you're home, you're not there either. Right. You're either sleeping. I might get like an hour. Mm-hmm. We were really, yeah. you know, <clears throat> ships passing in the night kind of um, for a while there. And so when Charlie was about to turn one years old, that's when um, I really felt the tug of like, you know, we're, we're spread really thin right now. Mm-hmm. I really feel... Uh, the the want and the need to be at home more with the kids right now. And so I left my full-time job to be at home. And at that point, Preston took the night shift in Mm -hmm. the neurosurgical ICU. And so he was working the night shift and, you know, I'm raising all these, these toddlers and preschoolers. And um, funny if that's when the king cakes kind of started to to come out. Preston had uh, Preston's parents grew. uh, They live near the parade route near the duck pond. Oh, okay. And, um, and that's in Shreveport. That's, and yeah. that's in Shreveport. 
And so you were making king cakes, gosh, like in high school and college. Yeah, I'd make some for family and friends, just for Mardi Gras parades. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't anything good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, they were terrible. Yeah. Uh, but they looked good. Yeah. I guess. Experiments. Yeah, it was it was a start. It, but he had been making them for years, and um, during that time, after I'd quit my job and. Um, you know, Preston was working full time. It kind of sort of became a creative outlet. I had gone on a girl's trip over the weekend. And while I was gone, Preston sent me a picture. He was like, hey, I made you king cake for when you get back. And I was just so excited and, and uh, so impressed and got home and, you know, we ate it and we're like, oh, this, this was pretty good. So we made a couple more just to bring some family members. And then they got really excited about it. And um, it, you know, Preston definitely started out more with the baking side of it Mm -hmm. and it really got me um excited to you know let's let's figure out how we can make these pretty let's figure out how we can market these maybe maybe people will be interested in you know um wanting some of these you know there the at the time there was just a couple you know king cake options here in shreveport and uh so we just kind of grew it from there and so uh the next year we did it again and yeah and what year was this this was that was gosh 2015 2016 yeah because at the same time right i was working other jobs Uh and doing like counseling stuff and thinking about starting a private practice and kind of it was funny it's such a crazy parallel of us being neighbors and both like kind of being like i'm not sure what we're doing i'm working for this i don't really like it you know like so i I thought that was really awesome i want to pause you and take you back because i think this is important important part so part of what i've seen in you guys is like first of all is husband and wife and, and parents like you guys are awesome Right. And as a clinician, right. I mean, like getting to be your neighbors and getting to see how you love on your kids and how you care about each other. Like, like it's genuine. Like it's, it's a really good thing. It's not this superficial, which is a lot of things like superficial, like it looks good on the outside. It looks good on social media. But you know, when you're neighbors with them, you're like, well, you know, like that's the reality, right? I mean, that's, that's the culture we live in is this projection of, you know, everything's fine. We have these businesses together. We do all these things, but underneath it, it's kind of a mess. And so I'm saying that, so you don't have to, but like, I genuinely just value, you know, Charlie coming over and playing with Grady and the kid, us being in the front yard and the years that we had being on Unadilla um, and seeing you guys just grow has been really awesome. And so I, I point that out to say, one of the things that I think is interesting that I want people to think about is, you know, it wasn't that you weren't making money mm-hmm. before you started Louder. You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys had really good careers and jobs. Income wasn't the problem, mm-hmm. right? It seemed to be time with your family, quality time with each other, and just joy in what you were doing. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Very accurate. Yeah. So I think people stay stuck in jobs and career paths because it's comfortable, and they make good money, and they have the bills paid, and they have these things, but they're miserable in their families or in their lives, but they don't know how to shift out of that. I, so can you kind of touch on that and... Yes. extrapolate that for me if I that's accurate definitely call, um kind of say from my perspective you know i had a wonderful job set up with benefits and um it it really felt like though you know day after day i was rushing to get the kids up rushing to get them ready for daycare taking them to daycare rushing to work working 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 getting home getting them home, dinner made baths bedtime and i was just like god i just i feel like i'm missing out on these um these days that I'm just wanting more time out of it because on the weekends I was so you know tired and so for me it was a very um hard decision because part of me 
really liked what I was doing. I really, you know, I, I wanted a career. I wanted, you know, things like that. But it, it's also, you know, just finding that balance. And I, I really felt for me that I just felt like um, I couldn't have it all at once. And at that point, I really wanted to focus on kids and family. I knew I wanted a career. I knew I wanted to do, you know, something big that I just, I didn't know what that was. And so uh, after I left my job, I felt a little lost. Like it mm-hmm. just kind of like, you know, I know this is the decision I want to make. I know I want to have more time at home with the kids, but you know, now what? I've, I've worked so hard for this degree from college and you know, right. what do I do? And um, well, so kind of the, the creative outlet with King just really, I jumped into it. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, and that's what I wanted to ask you, Preston. Like, what was that like, you know, number one, spending the money and the time, but like doing what you did for a career and then like what was going on for you emotionally other than being tired, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that made you kind of shift? Like, what was the shifting point? It's a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I, I love nursing, and I love nursing at the time, but it was draining. I mean, working, they called a 12-hour shift, a little bit more than that, <laughs> and doing, you know, some places you do two-on-two-off, and that can actually be exhausting as well but I found that after you work about four or five shifts in a row you just kind of get into a rhythm and I'd kind of push through about eight to ten shifts in a row um, and by the end of it just being so drained I needed like a day or two um, and the push to do that was kind of what you were talking about the battle between you know this is my career but where is my family life at the same time and um, trying to cover expenses so that way we could live the lifestyle that we wanted to live for our kids um and so sarah could stay home with the kids you know required Mm -hmm. a lot more hours Mm -hmm. yeah um and it it did it was it was very difficult um and once i got on nights i realized nights were you know there's people can do nights and some people can't i'm not a night person (laughs) um it's uh it's it changes your brain completely Mm mm-hmm um, just felt numb in the head all the time. Yeah. That circadian rhythm is such a, like we talk about that a lot in mental health, like the idea of getting good sleep and quality sleep being one of the cornerstones of like being sane and having, you know, being present. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, people have to do it. And, and for people out there working night shift, like we get it. So this is a blessing and a, and the ability for you to do it. Not everybody can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But what we're, what I'm trying to zero in on is like, to think if it is a possibility that you can do something different and don't feel so stuck in right that i have to oh yeah right i I can see how people can feel stuck yeah um i'd be lying if i said i didn't feel stuck sometimes like there you know you have your hard days and your good days and hard days could be gosh i don't know if i want to i don't know if i can keep doing this course the good days like oh this is not bad i can keep you know this is great i'm enjoying what i'm doing mm-hmm. i can see growth i can see where i want to go i don't want to just be stuck right here i can see where my next step is going to be um but then those hard days they can be hard mm-hmm. um and i think that enough of those along with especially when you're dealing with life and death too with your you know it's true past job and- yeah i remember us talking about you know it's like being a nurse you know being a doctor being people that are on the front lines you know, yeah. it's, it's like, uh, it's, you know, I always say it's like the military people, the outside world assumes like, well, you're trained to do it. So it must not affect you negatively at all. And it's like, well, you kind of do that in your brain where it's like, well, this is my job and this is just part of it. But like, it still affects you in a way that doing other things don't. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 
I always tell people, <laughs> I like, sometimes I'm like, when I'm stressed or when it's overwhelming or when it's just been a long bunch of trauma, I'm out, we were coming back from the beach this last summer and there, you know, there was these big uh, air conditioned cab tractors mowing these huge swaths of like grass. And I was like, that would be really nice some days <laughs> where I, you can just put some iTunes on and like sit in the just tractor and, and mow the grass <laughs> and go home and I don't have to care about anything else. And I think professions like yours, like mine, sometimes that can be the taxing part is that it's never ending. Correct. Well, you can't check out. No. And you're so good too, even like currently putting things in such perspective. You know, if something goes wrong at the bakery of like, oh no, a batch of cookies burns and you know, everybody can get stressed out. Preston is really good about stepping in and being like, it's just cookies. We're good. Yep. We just rebake them. So. Yeah. I can imagine that your nursing and ICU stuff really plays into crisis Absolutely. management and stress management. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, one of the main things that you learn in nursing is you don't stress out. You don't freak out. You don't panic. Mm -hmm. When you do, that's when people get hurt. Yep. Um, or you're not able to do your job. So um, you learn very quickly that you just have to leave all that at your patient's door when you walk in. And no matter what's going on, you just next step. What's the next thing on the list? Just mm -hmm. go to the next thing. And if you're not, you don't know what the next thing is, just pick something and do it. Yeah. Just tack away at it. It's good. Um, that works a lot at yeah. the bakery. Oh, yeah. And so for you, you did that. You were in that stressful job. You were working the hours. And, and so what broke? What was kind of the... So and pull, pull, let me catch the story up. So at the same time that's happening, you're staying home with the kids. And I remember this. You know, y'all are baking on the kitchen. I remember you rolling them out <laughs> on the kitchen table. You know, like... On our dining, yeah, yeah. dining room table. The presents rolling out the dough. Um, he, it was, I mean, looking back on it, it's just kind of like, how do we do that? Like... But he would get up, you know, before his shifts and um, he'd get everything in the oven. He'd leave and then I'd take it out of the oven, let it cool, decorate and go deliver. Put mm -hmm. all the kids in the car. And that's and what I'd say is kind of the hard thing is like uh, is trying to explain what was the hard thing. Well, it's like, well, I'm already doing this hard stuff, but <laughs> what is life? It's not chaotic. And we just <laughs> right. throw in this whole other sure. thing. I'm lack of sleep, lack of time, <laughs> um, everything. And you just throw in, hey, let's spend whatever waking minute we have already and make king cakes. <laughs> yeah, so what what was y'all's, uh, see I hit it, what was y'all's um, like community support during that time? Like how were your friends or your family kind of supporting you guys or oh, were, were they not? Before, before bakery or during? Both, like you know, was that part of what helped you transition? We're very lucky, we have a lot of family here in town and um, you know, I feel like we have a good support system and, and support group and um, you know, at the time we had one, Marion, she was in preschool and then the other two were either, um, in kind of a part mother's day out or at home. And so it was a lot of just kind of shuffling around. And, um, you know, I, I think it became something where when we started baking from our house, you know, it kind of grew and grew and got people excited. And then we, uh, we got excited about it. it. It became kind of a project for us of like, all right, how can we make this better? How can we, you know, tweak this and tweak that? Mm -hmm. And so our, you know, friends and family were so great in the beginning supporting us by just saying like, yeah, I'll, I'll get a king cake and we'd make it. And um, that grew to where we, you know, our last year we did in our house, we made over 500 king cakes. Mm -hmm. This is while Preston's working full time. You know, we've got three kids, you know, two dogs running around and, <laughs> um, that's when we were like, we can't, we can't do this from our house anymore. Like we've I got think that to that's, figure. That's what answers your question yeah. mainly is, uh, it was a hobby and it was another little source of income. Um, because nurse salary trying to cover 
two in a household um, was just barely a little bit more than paycheck to paycheck sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so doing the king cakes was another way for us to find some sort of income to do. Like I think the first thing we did, we decided that Mary Ellen was going to do gymnastics, gymnastics or something. Yeah. With the income that we made from it. Right. Um, so that first year when we sold, you know, 20 or 30 king cakes or something, it covered, a, you know, a session yeah. of gymnastics lessons. Right. And so, you know, the next year we, we tried to make another goal of like, well, maybe we can cover this if we do this many king cakes. I remember the first one of the years where we sold 100, like my mind was just blown. of like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, we sold 100 king cakes. And, and just to look back at it now, it's, it's, it's really neat to see kind of how it grew. It a lot of it doesn't make sense on paper. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. I we, 100% understand that. We just, uh, we felt like, you know, as it started gaining momentum over the years after years, we felt like we were really onto something. We felt like we both started to really find our little area of Louder King Cakes at the time that we really loved. Preston loved the science behind how the dough reacts to this and what recipe, how can I put in the yeast into where it's going to get fluffier. And and I really loved the business development part of it. Mm-hmm. I really loved the, how can we grow this? You know, how can we market it? How can we continue to keep doing this? And so we both found areas of the same business that we loved and that just kind of grew and grew. And uh, that year that we did 500 we were like we can't can't do this from our house anymore and so we started to play with the idea of like how cool would it be to have a bakery we really have always wanted to it was either we quit doing it quit doing <laughs> yeah. it yeah and we find another thing or go we go it. all in yeah now, i would see you go for runs and i would just be like i don't know how this dude's running that was my only time. No, I know. I knew why you <laughs> were doing mental, it, but like, I just remember being like, "Dude, I'm so proud of him for taking, you know, for taking care of yourself." And that was the other thing that I recognized is that even through you know, getting to know you and see you, you, you met you. Well, I think part of your success is who you are and who your marriage is, and that you guys always found a way to also take care of yourself. You know, to be to be genuine. I never saw you, you know, be mean or turned off. Or I'm not saying you know you're perfect, but it's like there's something about that. You know you have that it factor that allows you to keep doing the right things. And, and I just remember thinking, you know, I mean, this is how my brain thinks about everything, but I remember thinking like, I'm so glad that he's going for a run. I'm so glad they're taking care of themselves. I'm so glad they haven't lost that, that joy. But I was like, how are they doing this all at the same time? Which again, I will say yeah. Preston has more energy, just natural occurring energy than anybody I've ever known. I mean, he says he can't work nights, but he, I mean, I kind of think he's, Built for those hours. My brain doesn't ever stop. Yeah, it does. And uh, uh, it's hard for me to sit still. Mm. Um, it's the pro and the con, right? It's the strength yeah. and the weakness. Yeah, yeah. double edged sword. Um, I'd say that <laughs> you're like sit down. You, <laughs> and you kind of briefly touched on it too. Um, uh, part of, I would say, why we're doing what we're doing right now is um, not because one or the other, but because of both. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. it's truly a combination of what she brings and what I bring to the table. I cannot begin to tell you how much of a it would if I've just had the reins from a hundred percent from the go. Yeah. Um, it uh, is neat finding yeah. our, our the areas of it that we love, and you know, fortunate there's a little bit of overlap, but we both kind of just have our areas that we we love mm-hmm. about it, and that 
we get excited about it and, and want to grow it. And so whenever we did make that uh, transition of, okay, can't do this out of our house, let's go for it. We really, for months and months, played with the idea of like, well, maybe, maybe we can work part-time and then also do the bakery. And mm-hmm. um, really, right when we got to the point, so we started putting together our business plan um, after that Yeah, how did season. you do that? So as a, as a couple, if somebody's listening, they're like, I'm going to start a small, start a small business. <laughs> what, um, like, did you guys meet with a, a business planner? Or did you just do it yourself? Or so how, we how did that work? started out, we kind of tried to build kind of the bones of it on our own. And then we went to a local group here called EAP, the Entrepreneurial Accelerator Program. And uh, I, we sat down and met with them. We said, hey, you know, we've been doing this hobby out of our house you know king cakes and we really we want to grow it and we have this big dream to have a bakery and you know when we want to have other aspects with it other than king cakes and this is kind of how we want to do it and they were so great at kind of helping us with our forecasting mm-hmm. with kind of just making sure the financials make sense making sure okay to if you have this rent if you have this you know uh, all these plans, this is how many you're going to need to sell in yeah. order for this to really make sense. A and lot so, of Excel sheets. Yeah, I bet. Excel sheets. And um, it really, Because it's numbers, a lot of it, right? Oh, yeah, business yeah. Especially analytics. with food. Yeah. And, and, but, but also, kind of to the flip side of that, you can have everything on a sheet with numbers, but also <laughs> you just have to kind of be a little naive and a uh-huh. lot optimistic and just jump out there and do it. Oh so man, the risk is people don't understand. That's That was the hardest part. So whenever, um, you know, we played around for a while about, you know, well, Preston can work part-time, maybe I'll work part-time. And, you know, when the kids are in school, we'll just, we'll kind of piece it together. And the decision of like, you know, we have to, you know, at the time I was doing kind of real estate on the side and um, with deciding both of us are going to have to really quit what we're doing to put a hundred percent focus. If we're really going to do this, that was probably the hardest decision. And yeah. we decided that and we didn't tell anybody. We mm. didn't tell family. We didn't, Cause we knew what they were going to say. Because they're going to go, what are you thinking? You're yeah. crazy. Well, and that was so, my question is I wonder, cause I didn't know either. It went from like, you know, y'all baking, and then it was like, oh, surprise! Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen my parents more concerned. Like uh, all of oh, our I parents, yeah. like we, so we really wanted to make sure we came up with our business plan first, and we came up with our, you know, ev- everything we could think of. And the last thing we were going to tell people is like, oh, by the way, we're quitting our jobs. Because like we knew we didn't want to have to convince anybody. Of absolutely, it. we wanted to because we knew what they would we say. wanted to convince ourselves. Yeah. And once we knew, we felt comfortable with it. It didn't matter what anyone else yeah. thought. And uh, truly, it really got to a point where we were like, we know in our bones that this is this is going to work. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly how. We kind of had to have a little blind faith in it. Of Absolutely. Just that it's, this is going to work out. We we feel really good about it. We, we feel like we're going to work hard. We're going to, you know, do it right and uh, grow it the way we want to and, you know, in a smart way. And we just kind of had to do it. And so launching off and uh, just kind of taking that leap, you know, once we got our business plan together, we went and, you know, we were first looking at doing a bank loan to get all this put together. Um, but with the business you've done out of your house, you know, you don't really have that Proof. much. Yeah. Right, yeah. There's, There's no numbers on paper. <laughs> analytics that you yeah. can, you know, they may be like, oh, that's a cool idea. But mm. And so we decided to go the route of um, uh, an angel investor group here in, in Shreveport. And so we pitched it Shark Tank style to 65 investors one day um, at the Shreveport Club downtown and had a PowerPoint, you know, showed them this is what we want to do. And we had 
five investors say that, hey, we're interested in this, and we had three investors come through and say, we want to support you. Here you wow. go. Here, here's a loan. Yeah, and, I did um, not know that. That's so awesome. That's uh -huh. how we got started, and we're very, very grateful to those um, three investors that, that really jumped in. And um, that's how it got started. So once we had all of that lined up, once the build-out had almost been complete, that's kind of when we said, you know, hey, family, y'all know we're working on this, but hey, here's the real plan. We've quit our jobs. We're doing this for real. We're, we're opening up the first week of January. And, and that was what year? did it. That was 2019. Yep. So we just celebrated our two-year anniversary at the bakery, um, jumped in, I mean, truly with a, a big, dose of being naive and optimism i mean we had no idea what we were getting into but. I, i'll say that that kind of answers uh people looking into getting a business like how do you feel prepared mm -hmm. it's like having a child <laughs> you can read all the books you want you can try and take advice from everybody else but you're just going to have to learn the hard you way you'll never yep. have all the answers beforehand mm -hmm. so oh no and you keep learning right yeah, i mean that's the yeah. thing i mean y'all are new i mean we'll be i think we'll be four years in march so I think I started the practice a couple of years before y'all took off. Um, and yeah, it's, I'm still learning things that I, you know, learned a big lesson last year, you know, and big lesson the year before. And it's like, you, you can plan and you can look at paper and you can look at numbers, but God does what he does and people do what they do. And, and, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised. I know y'all have too. <laughs> it really, and, and just being, um, you know, in Shreveport, like you were saying earlier, just people kind of wondering about business in Shreveport. I truly feel like Shreveport is craving, you know, young entrepreneurs to start their business. You know, we didn't know what kind of, we were hoping we'd get a lot of support when we opened up, but we didn't know how sales were going to go. You can only forecast, you know. Yeah, you can't guarantee so anything. Much. And just the, um, we had such tremendous support from neighbors in the community and just excited about, Hey, like this, this young local couple that's just going for it. They're opening up a bakery like they wanted to. And, um, I, I truly feel like, um, you know, Shreveport supports businesses, you know, new businesses like that. And so we're, we're very thankful for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we have a really awesome local community. I mean, I know I do mental health stuff, but you know, when people trust you and they get behind you, then word of mouth and, you know, mm -hmm. we call it internal referrals, like people who are like, hey, I love this or they're awesome or go there. You know, that's what people really is trust. You know, they trust your name. They trust your background. They trust the people who know you. And and so people will spend money and spend time and energy and take the trip over across town to get something to go for people that they they value. Because ultimately, if we I mean, I hope that's the shift we can have in Treeport is like if we see it as a community effort mm -hmm. and that we're all in this together then the better your business does, the better for our economy, the better for the people, you know, we're all benefiting from, you know, being in this together. That's kind of what our basis of our bakery was too, was not just to be another business, but we wanted to be the community bakery. Yeah. Yeah. And making, you know, everything we make at the bakery. Is yeah. Made. Tell me about that. That's what I wanted so to hear. Yeah. Tell me about the bakery. We, so we opened up in January, 2019 and uh, just doing king cakes for Mardi Gras. We opened up like a week into Mardi Gras season and, um, just saw a lot of growth we started out we hired three employees to start out with two bakers and somebody who was going to help me with front of house and at the time i was like oh preston we've overhired. like this yeah. is just this is too many people and i was like, saying no we, we don't have enough people. and i was like no 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 this is this is just you know we're, <clears throat> we're we're too many people and within about two weeks we had hired i think 18 people more because it was just <laughs> it exploded which we were hoping for but we had no idea that it was going to just um explode that much 
And so, you know, at the time, that was one of our first big hurdles, I think, um, is figuring out just human resources, like, you know, just figuring out how to manage people, manage employees. And um, we started out from the beginning, we really wanted it to be, um, you know, the bakery, not just for customer experience, but from a a cultural standpoint with Mm -hmm. our staff, we want it to be a positive place. We want it to be, you know, people are going to work hard and and do their jobs, but we want people to, you know, to be just a good atmosphere for everybody. So we've tried really hard from the beginning to really set. We both had, um, that job that everyone has that they always relate to that it's never going to be like this Mm -hmm. and bad, um, bad wise, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, you can, you have lessons from any good or bad experience and, and we took experiences from both good yeah. and bad to say like we hey, know what we want this is how we want it to be and this this these are our expectations mm-hmm. we set high expectations but we also want to treat everybody with respect and we want you know people there to really care about what they're doing in the business itself and we've just really lucked out we have an amazing staff we have i think right now right at 24 25 employees um during the mardi gras season wow. and um they're just they're fantastic um, so yeah, so you, Mardi Gras season started, you guys are selling out of King Cakes. Yes. And so what happened? Like you, you had to just hire more employees. So we, you know, this kind of goes back to just being so, um, not having all the answers and, you know, just, just being a little naive to, we didn't even have a system of how people could pre-order cause we didn't think we would, would be selling. Yeah, yeah. We thought like, Oh, we'll have them baked and mm-hmm. people just trickle in hopefully and get them. And that first day that we opened, um, we were lucky enough to have a newspaper article written about us. And so that hit the stands and what we sold in a whole season, um, the year before we did in like a day and a half. <laughs> That's insane. It, it was nuts. And just, you know, making batch after batch of king cakes and people coming in and we would just say, Oh, uh, if you could come back at two o'clock, I think we'll have some more. And, you know, from there making a sticker system for pre-ordering and then from there figuring out how do we, you know, organize all this. So just, we've developed a lot of our processes and procedures just kind of on the fly of seeing mm-hmm. what needs to be done and um efficiency efficiency yeah we're always, customers appreciating your employees definitely appreciate yeah 2020 it. was supposed to be the year of like oh we'll just sit back <clears> and relax and you know figure out how we can tighten up policies and procedures and the COVID <laughs> hit and we're like well this is not the year to <laughs> yeah for sure i think one thing we missed is is you went to school i mean like didn't you go to culinary yep. school we forgot about that <laughs> so it wasn't that you just randomly were a nurse you know, decided to make king cakes, but I mean, I remember you, be, you like going over and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, he's going." He's in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Some of the best advice I got um, was from Robbie Ferrier, who owns uh, Rolling in the Dough. He yeah. said, "You need to go." Some good bread right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. He used to he used to have a bakery in the nineties. And yeah. we actually have the laminator, one of the pieces of equipment we have, we bought. He used from to Robbie. make the seminar. Awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Rolling in the Dough. They yeah. had my favorite uh, chicken salad sandwich on that like really soft Ooh, dough. It's so good. Their burgers. Yeah. Are burgers. Yeah. Oh yeah, their burgers fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um that was some of the best advice I got. Um whether he really understood where we were standing before we jumped into business. Um, it really was. It kind of gave me a really good foundation to figure out what we were going to do mm-hmm. outside of King Cakes. Because all we did, we were going and we were like, you know, we're going to go do King Cakes and then we'll figure it out afterwards. Yeah. We didn't know if we were going to be open like three months out of the year and then 
be shut down for nine. We didn't really know. Right. Um, but then after going to, um, it was the San Francisco Baking Institute, and it was just mainly focusing on bread. Um, I did the one thing probably no one does. You know, you go to school to learn how to prepare for what you're going to learn, and then you learn it. Before I went, I I taught myself as much as I could about everything I was going to learn. Like every, I read through everything I possibly could. Read, went through every possible video I could think of. Um, so by the time I got there, it was you've gotten so far, but you couldn't connect these little tiny dots at the top. Yeah. And that's all it was was just connecting dots left and right. Get there early, uh, two like two hours before class would start. I'd get there at like four o'clock in the morning. Um, because it was a fully functioning bakery as well. Um, they sourced their products to like Whole Foods and maybe like 50 other bakeries in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd sit there and I'd watch the bakers and see what they were doing. And I'd ask, I'd sit down and have a question Q&A with my instructor, um, which I think he kind of started to appreciate. Someone who actually cared what he was talking about. And then I'd go home at the end of the day and everyone else would kind of go out and do whatever they're doing. And I'd sit there and study. Until I fell asleep, wake up and do it again. And it was just like that mm-hmm. for the entire school. Um, so when I left, I felt, I mean, my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't ever eat anything because we just ate what we made. And I can tell you, you cannot live off of just bread. Living on bread <laughs> for a full solid, like, two weeks. There you go. Um, yeah, so going to, that was some of the best advice I got was to go to school. went to school. Really got to tie in what I needed to know to make what we're doing right now successful. And it even helped um, change my view on king cakes even. Um, I learned a lot of different techniques um, and I learned a lot of interesting science aspects with bread making um, that I did not, could not find anywhere. That's another great thing about bread is it's really a lost thing. You bread is such a tedious process no one wants to do that anymore mm-hmm. you just go to the grocery store you don't realize really how much goes into making that one loaf of bread um, and I can tell you, you know when I first started doing king cakes um, you know I like to cook I like to be in the kitchen I like to come up with new things but it was all stuff that you could find in a cookbook or mm-hmm. you'd watch a cooking video and you know throw this spice in no big deal figure it out taste it it's awesome or not you know what you're going to change but with bread it's there wasn't someone you could learn from you know i didn't have like a great grandmother who was a bread maker bread maker <laughs> yeah um well that's a lost thing right it's a yeah, lost art absolutely um and even when you read it in a br- book i was finding it didn't really make a lot of sense for a lot of things like the terminology and why they called it that and where that came from and why you did that but um yeah there's not like a 120 year old person that you can ask absolutely yeah (laughs) um and when you get when you finally understand what it is it really is one of the easiest things to make you just have to know how to take care of it yeah it's just like a kid i guess (laughs) everything just refers back to children absolutely especially right now right oh gosh well and and to kind of touch on that too i think that was one of the factors that really pushed us with saying you know what this is we're, we're going to do this we're going to do this bakery because we had such a um different we felt unique outlook on what our we wanted our bakery to be we mm-hmm. were 
kind of um, developing our business plan. Uh, you know, king cakes, of course, is a seasonal item from, you know, traditionally January 6th through Mardi Gras Day, which is, it can be a six-week period, it can be an eight- or nine-week period throughout the year. And uh, we had to really look at, okay, what would make this business viable um, throughout the rest of the year? And just with the beginnings of king cakes really coming from the love of bread and figuring out dough and we wanted our bakery to revolve around fresh baked breads, doughs, pastry dough. And um, that's kind of what came from all of our, our, our planning with it so that we had our king cakes for our first Mardi Gras season. But then it developed into, you know, we wanted to do croissants and danishes and cinnamon rolls for breakfast and, and fresh baked bread and baguettes and French bread. Because there's just not a place around mm -hmm. here you can really get all that all of that yep. made from scratch and um so that's where kind of the really the love of the bread ties so much into our bakery because we just felt like we we hadn't really seen anything like that around mm -hmm. here of course there's some places that do their bread but it's on a much smaller scale yeah restaurants are you know not really using a lot of local bread that we were seeing and um because bread is kind of a lost art it's become oh you can just you know get something frozen shipped in that you just reheat or you know it's packaged up with lots of preservatives and 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 to be able to sit on grocery shelves and so we wanted to bring something new to the market to say hey this is fresh baked you can get a fresh baked loaf of white bread or jalapeno cheddar bread and make a sandwich on it which you may not have even you know you put in so much effort to the meat that's going to go on your sandwich and the cheeses and the high quality you know vegetables whatever and the bread was just always kind of the throwaway part yeah. for so many people and um that's just something that really piqued our interest of like we can we kind of almost um show something new to our market of, of yeah. fresh baked items but also you know kind of change a little bit of um maybe we can start something of, of just making people more aware of like hey it doesn't have to be this way it can be this way it can be fresh baked it can be um just a different way of, of, of having it available. Yeah, it's a great, I mean, it's a great perspective because yeah, if you don't know, you don't know. If mm -hmm. you're used to eating, you know, just whatever. That's, yeah. Just, and even then you go, well, this is way better, but it's more expensive. You know, it's not bunny bread. <laughs> you know, no hating on bunny. Uh, but the point is, is that, you know, but you don't know. And especially in Louisiana, we are a very food oriented, you mm -hmm. know, culture. And, but yeah, the bread idea, it's like, well, I'll just get this. And like we, because our kids have food allergies, like we had to find different breads that work. And, mm -hmm. and then, and I don't know if y'all know what Dave's bread is, but like, mm -hmm. that's been one that I, that I'm like, well, this is way better than what we are eating. But then you come and get something from like y'all's place and you throw a sandwich on it and you're like, it's not just, like you said, it's not just like a secondary thing. Yeah. It's one of the most flavorful things. And I remember my mo my mother-in-law made, I think it was her, had like a bread maker and she just made, made like little, you know, loaves and slices. And I was like, we'd put like chicken on it and do different things. And I was like, oh my gosh, the bread is what actually yeah. makes this whole sandwich. It truly is. And, and, and that's something that, you know, um, you know, I, I joke, we kind of geek out over bread or kind of mm -hmm. like, ooh, this sourdough, it's so cool. And, but it, it really is, like you're saying, a lost art. And we just wanted to kind of um, put a lot of energy into, you know, this would be something really different and really cool. And you see it a lot in South Louisiana, a lot of great bread bakeries. You see it in bigger cities, but there was just nothing really serving the North Louisiana mm -hmm. area doing that. And so that's kind of what we really felt like was going to be our, hopefully our, our place and kind of uh, all this. Yeah. It's um it's been one of the harder things we knew we were going to have to tackle. King cakes kind of sell themselves because they're king cakes. 
pastries are exciting because they're pastries, but um, bread, you're having to almost re-educate mm-hmm. your customer base because I grew up eating light-colored, non-flavorful bread. You know, whether it's a table bread you got from a restaurant or if it's what mom brought home, either hamburger buns, hot dog buns, or loaf bread. That's <laughs> yeah, that's right. all you really had to choose from. Um, and so trying to figure out um, how to introduce what I knew was great bread to people was going to be difficult because um, the longer that a bread will sit in the oven, it's not necessarily burning. It will create it's called the mallard reaction where like the sugar on the outside of the bread starts to color everything so it gets darker and so you get that's where all the more fun the fun flavors come out of the bread is in the crust and so um just because you see a dark bread doesn't mean it's burned um Mm -hmm. and that was kind of like a hard thing i knew i was gonna have i knew if i put out what i thought was one of the best loaves i could make no one was gonna buy it um they're not used to it they're not used to it and nobody likes change (laughs) right or or risk and so we started off with like uh our baguette bread baguettes actually have the fewest amount of ingredients in it um, right up there next to our sourdough bread um it's just flour water salt and yeast and um it is my favorite bread because of so many unique flavors that come from one bite with something with so few ingredients in it. Um, you get other breads like our white bread. It's an enriched bread. It's got like butter and, and sugar added to it. And so like you're going to kind of cut away some of the, the natural flavors you're going to get from flour, water, and the and the yeast kind of working together. Um, and so with the baguette bread, uh, I started off with a really light colored, really almost pale. It just felt sick putting that out um but that's what people are used to seeing and that's what people are used to buying and um and so i put that out and we have secretly been slowly increasing the temperature or letting it sit in a little bit longer and we've been changing the profile of that bread to kind of show people that you can have fantastic bread and it not look and it can look like it's i guess darker or burned but that's where a lot of your flavor is going to come from and now it's it's one of our our top sellers are the baguette bread that's awesome Mm -hmm. that's cool to know so uh, tell me um what all y'all sell now like oh and well first so we talked about the the mardi gras kind of blew up that first year Mm -hmm. when did you have to knock the wall out and expand so we so we did our mardi gras our first mardi gras season which was that was quick oh gosh um, and yeah, our, our, our three to five year plan became our six month plan. Mm-hmm. And so we had our Mardi Gras season and then we took a couple weeks off to just kind of get our staff trained up to do all of our um, other items. So we uh, reopened about uh, late March to do breakfast pastries. So our croissants, danishes, um, breakfast pastries, cinnamon rolls, mm-hmm. um, our fresh baked breads, jalapeno cheddar baguette. Uh, French bread and then our sweets, so our cookies, brownies, cookie cakes, um, which and, are delicious. Oh, they're so I think good. I've eaten That's... everything at your shop at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we got a few months into that, and um, like you know, you were saying, we really didn't know how you know everybody's going to react to it. Is this going to be something that people are interested in? And and thankfully they were. Thankfully they really showed up, and we stayed pretty good and steady and busy. And it just so happened the space next to us was vacant. And so a couple months into it, 
uh, we kind of mentioned to our landlord, like, hey, like we're not there yet, but we may be interested in, in wanting some more space. So he was very um, kind and kind of unofficially held it for us for a little mm. bit until the time that we were kind of ready of like, okay, we need, we need to go ahead and expand. We were running out of room way too quickly. So we knocked down the wall about um, six months into it and uh, doubled our size and opened that up Thanksgiving of that year. So we opened up in January and then by November, we had doubled the size mm -hmm. and, and increased our staff. And, and that was 2020 or, tw or 2019, 2019? Okay, same yeah. year. Yep. And um, that's right. So that was just a wild year, you know, just a year full of, you know, figuring out and, and learning and um, had our first holiday season, which we weren't expecting to be as, as big as it was, which was really fun and thrown right, right straight into king cake season and um, got out of that our second king cake season and then the pandemic hit. Mm. And so everything just kind of went wild and we had to adjust and adapt with that. Yeah, let's, let's pause there. So in that first year, what are some things that you would you didn't know that you wish you would have known? Like what are the what are the big ones? Gosh, I think the realization of um, just kind of figuring out that nobody has all the answers and nobody has it figured out mm -hmm. was almost a really comfort to me and yeah. just because you know you you do kind of fall into um, a habit of like oh gosh I've got to get this figured out you know figured out and, and all the answers and and just not um, knowing everything and just trying to to figure it out on the go being okay with that I think was one of the biggest realizations for me the first year what would you say was something you wish you knew <laughs> another one employees not being motivated the same way I'm motivated. Yeah, they don't care about your business as much as you they, care about it. Well, and, and things that motivate me and get me excited may not be the way somebody else is motivated mm -hmm. or um, can, you know, kind of push or encourage them. And so figuring out how to kind of adapt uh, incentives I'd say that for that's people. the biggest one. Yeah. yeah. There's, um, I hesitate to say because I'm sitting here running through probably about a hundred different <laughs> things. But I would say absolutely... Um, the one thing um, was learning what you can depend on as far as another person yeah. that works for you. Mm -hmm. um, everybody has, yeah, yeah. Everybody has a person or a personal um, personal life outside of work. Um, and so I told myself from the get go, you know, I'm going to run the business for the business. I'm not going to run it for the employees, but at the same time, I'm going to um, be mindful um, that they're people too. Yeah. Um, it didn't matter what position you had, um, I was going to treat you the exact same. Still do. Um, I still try to, you know, I think some people kind of go with, you know, like one strike, you're done, or two strikes, yeah, yeah. you're done. I have a couple. <laughs> we have quite a few. Well, and people have bad days. And, and right. Just and that's what it is. Human. It's just trying to learn to go with what different people's strengths and weaknesses mm -hmm. are. And everyone's is different. It's like a fingerprint for every single yeah, person. Man. Um, what makes this person tick versus this person? What am I going to get upset about this person? I may not care at all <laughs> for this person over here. Um, yeah, like figuring out what they're capable of and knowing when you're, it's not, it's not a effort 
thing. It's a capability thing. Yeah. And can I deal with that? And can I not? And mm-hmm. that's a lot yes. to learn. I mean, I think that's part of being a business owner and myself included. And it's a totally different thing. I don't have as many, you know, my clinicians are all professionals. So there, there's the same category, but I don't think, I don't have to deal with a lot of like, 15 people who aren't bakers or aren't therapists, yeah. you know, that's a whole, I can imagine that being a whole nother area of difficulty because <laughs> it's, there's so much variant, right? Mm-hmm. But, but even in what I'm doing, like learning, yeah, like this person doesn't want to go speak in public and that's not a, a, you're good or you're not, that's a skill set. So how do I make whatever they're doing, their passion really good, mm-hmm. but not have this kind of expectation or judgment of it being better or worse? Well, and, and to, to kind of go with that too, is looking at myself and ourselves and realizing what are our strengths Mm -hmm. and what are our (laughs) weaknesses and with those weaknesses, you know, stop, uh, uh, beating myself up of, Oh, I can't do this. Well, outsource it, figure out somebody who can do it well and let, you know, then I can focus on my strengths and kind of realizing that too has been, um, a really, big thing um you know one thing i know i had such trouble with was you know just how busy we were with the first year you know focusing on the bakery focusing on family the first thing that went was the house Mm -hmm. like my house i couldn't keep up with the laundry i couldn't do dishes and i would get so upset with myself that i just can't stay on top of it and finally i remember talking to my mom my mom's like sarah outsource it get somebody to come in and help you with that like that's okay and just being okay with that was like oh this is a game changer i don't Mm -hmm. have to feel like i'm failing over here but i'm doing well over here i can find you know things that i'm not able to keep up with and then get some you know somebody to help me with that absolutely yeah what was it like for y'all like for me going from starting the practice and being by myself and then us growing and having two or three therapists and then having you know couple hundred people were coming in and then I'm like, Oh man, like there was this, there was this time where I was like, I need a full-time administrator uh-huh. or a personal, you know, personal assistant the next year or whatever. And then I'm going, well, I got to cut 30 something thousand dollars out of my income to pay this person. Mm-hmm. How's that going to ever make me money? You know, like those kind of things <laughs> every day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, those types of questions it turns into dollar signs, whether you're, you're not necessarily thinking about money, but no, yeah, for sure. It's not about the money. It's just exactly. It's, it's how it could be something so simple. You're looking at, okay, well, does it make sense to do that? Well, let's see if you do this, then you're going to have to do this. And this person is going to have to do it. And you're gonna have to worry about doing this and ordering this. And then it's going to break down to, that's going to be another extra hundred dollars to do that. No, that's not worth it. Right. Well, and two, also, you know, we started out the way our, our bakery set up is Preston's head baker. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had uh, for a while, you know, assistant managers under him over the areas and we, um, you know, got their positions to where their managers over those areas now. And we have a pastry manager, we have dessert manager and being able to, you know, have faith in them and trust in them that, you know, they know what they're doing, they're going to get it done and kind of letting them handle you know, issues and problems too, while we can handle other stuff has been, um, a really good, I think thing. And that's allowed us to grow. Absolutely. Want to. It's so hard to let go though, a little yeah. bit in the beginning, right? Cause you're like, I want, I this want my baby <laughs> yeah, and you know what you're going to give to it. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's this balance of trusting people with your thing and your vision, but there's this cool community thing where people come along with your vision it becomes their vision and then they take it on and that's when you can really trust right well, but there's such a timing in that with the right people and and just with hiring too we've really learned that you know we would much rather hire 
the person versus the skill. You know, I want to hire oh, man, a so positive true. attitude. Yep. I want to hire somebody mm-hmm. who's, you know, wanting the opportunity and willing and ready to work and the skill can be taught. And I would take that so much over somebody that may not have, may have the skill, but may not have the drive or may not have the vision that we do. And so being able to, you know, have confidence in who we're hiring and uh, letting them take something and, and run with it to grow it has been tremendous for us. And I bet. Yeah, I can imagine in the beginning you you just need bodies. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like you don't really have the chance yeah. to really That's take the time. That's what it was time. like. Yeah. We had to get an agency. First year, to yeah. Help we we had a temp <laughs> to agency. To help find us people. And we'd have we'd say, you know, hey, we need we need a handful of bakers and they'd be like, well, there's not really any bakers around yeah, here. There's not like, a big we'll lot of bakers. Like, well, send some. me somebody with kitchen experience yeah. and I'll do the rest. And we had to just train mm-hmm. on the job and so it really has been um neat. You know, we've even had um as we got, you know, grew and kind of got our, our rhythm and momentum, we've had some uh, young students come in and they've done internships with Louder Baking Company That's and awesome. done a baking internship to where they can really, you know, Preston will get all mad scientists-y about, you know, bread and, and everything and, and kind of teach them everything and then they can go home and make a croissant. And so it's, it's really neat to kind of see uh, just the skill um, set that our bakers have developed and also just the knowledge that, Preston's been able to develop himself and also teach. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Our staff. How far we've come in two years? Oh, it's, gosh, it's only been two years. Yeah, I totally feel it's that. Unbelievable. You know, we're coming up on four, and I'm just like, oh this gosh. is insane. You know, but again, it speaks to when you get the right people in, you get the right team, and and you know, God's blessing that, and you got a good community support. I mean, anybody, you know, people can do this, oh, yeah. but it's a mess. <laughs> you know, like it's it's but. It, I think you said it really well, Sarah, like having that lowering your expectations. Like that was the one thing that I wish I could still keep as best as I can. When we had kids, I remember JC getting pregnant and me being like, the best thing I can do is have zero expectations, mm-hmm. you know, and becoming a parent being like, I'm going to have zero. And that was so relaxing. Now that's changed over the course of time. You know, as they get older, <laughs> you start having expectations, but it's the same thing with the business. It's like, you realize a lot of your problem is your own expectations, mm-hmm. your own judgment of yourself, your own measuring yourself against other people. You know, what should I do as a dad? What should I do as a mom? The house cleaning, like, but at some point you cannot do everything. Cannot do everything. You know, and, and you do have to outsource it. I had a really hard time paying people to do things that I thought I should do because they were less than. And JC's like, you don't have time to do that. And you have a master's degree. You don't need to be taking the trash out every day, you know, or whatever the thing was. And that was really hard for me to let go because I felt like, I don't want to make anybody feel less than, yeah. you know, I'll vacuum the carpets every day before I leave. You know, it's like, no, you can't do that. And then I'm like, but it's $800 to, you know, have somebody else come in a month. People don't understand that part of it either. So can you talk a little bit about, um, what, well, just what I was saying, like expenses and the surprises and like what it is to run a small business? Gosh, I mean, because people think you just make this million. I mean, and I not that you don't make a good living, but there's way more cost to doing it. There's oh. so and there's so much even that even at the end of the month we'll look back and be like, where did uh, where did some of this go? <laughs> it's yeah, like, for sure. oh gosh, okay, let's run a balance sheet and figure out how mm-hmm. this is going, so maybe we can improve that next month. Labor Absolutely. is definitely labor's our biggest cost. I mean, just with the amount of labor that goes into. Um, all of our baked goods and, and the hours, you know, our baking crew, our early morning baker crew starts at 2 a.m. every Ooh. day, 2 a.m. And um, that's that's what you have to do. Because it's if, all fresh. It's all fresh. Yeah. It's all made from scratch. And you can't, 
cut corners if, if you're wanting to do the type you know products that, that we put out and that's what we really wanted to do starting out and um so labor is definitely one of the biggest costs a, a lot larger costs than um i envisioned <laughs> but um also just i mean there's so many little things of you know okay you have these pages well now you need boxes okay <laughs> we get all these boxes well who's going to fold the boxes okay well we need somebody to fold the boxes and just all these little integral parts that you don't really we didn't realize until we were in the middle of mm-hmm. it and um there's just there's a lot of little things to keep everything going going moving forward yeah i think I, i've learned like uh when you look at let's say i always forget the difference gross and net and that's what you take home right mm-hmm. yeah gross it's like you know you might go oh i made this much in gross but it's like what people don't realize is the bigger the bigger your business becomes the more cost there is you need more equipment to be able to make more yeah so you do make or... more money than you did mm-hmm. but it's the percentage right <laughs> is not the changes. same yeah it's not the same as your gross and and so for people who are starting business when they get out and they start doing the numbers and they're like oh well if i do this and this yeah there's there's all these things that you cannot plan for mm-hmm. you know until you're in the middle of it um a really good example of that would be from the kitchen standpoint um we all of our equipment is a certain particular size and we have a certain amount of space that we can fill with a certain amount of labor and i would say we definitely have hit the max <laughs> on how many people For can sure. stand in our kitchen and work at one time um we and hit so that max you, first when we doubled now we've hit that max again yeah. we're like oh we need more room and so like <laughs> you 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 work your way backwards. I totally like, get that. That's why I'm laughing. Like <laughs> we fill up the Holland Center, and I'm like, well, I guess we got to build a building because <laughs> <laughs> I should just keep on filling it up. It's yeah, just, I know, it, it for becomes sure. more of a, and then you go further, and it just you find all these other problems you didn't realize that you were going to have to tackle. Um, so like mixer size, oven size, table size. How much table space do you have? How many hands are you going to have touching dough at a particular time? Um, where? How does your time frame? from all these different products that you're going to make. You don't make like one product and wait till it's done and you start the next for time efficiency. Otherwise, bread would be like $20 a loaf. It <laughs> yeah, would be yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> so you have to do it in bulk. And the more that you can do it one time, you can bring down your costs and then may become more competitive with your customer, your other businesses. Um, anyway, so I'm, I've been, I think about that all the time. I'm like, okay, our oven has three decks. What if we were to get a fourth deck? Which means levels. Levels, mm-hmm. like more spaces to put more product. Um, what's the cost to do that, and how much more can I do? Is that worth doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and then can I put enough people in here to and do then it? Can yeah. I, and then you worry about, okay, well, we're running out of space with this mixer over here, which we did um, when we built out, and um, we needed a bigger mixer. It's like, okay, well, if I get a bigger mixer, how much bigger can I go? Well, if we get this size, we're going to end up bottlenecking in the oven because the oven only has three decks. We don't have blah, 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 blah. So it just, when you decide that you're going to make a change, let's say I want to get a bigger mixer so I can do more dough. Well, it doesn't really matter if your oven won't, if your oven take, won't take it, if you don't have all the hands that Absolutely. can do it, if you don't have the space that can do it, if you don't have the space for inventory to hold, which that's another problem we have now. Um, it's just a big ripple effect and it really, um, you know, every little change can, can change everything, you know, before it and after it. And, um, we really have, uh, developed like a, um, production and, and timetable, you know, from morning until afternoon of when things are starting and when they're made. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's 
kind of a work of art just because it's, it's taken such a, a you know long time to really develop and hone in on it. Yeah, it's good. I mean, so I mean, this is stuff I was lo- I was interested in hearing because like that is the hard part is success is great, but it comes with different problems that you have to figure out. And what I'm having to learn is like, and I'm sure you too is like, just let it be enough, mm-hmm. you know, like, and then cast vision for the next thing and, and the next thing. But like, you can't really guarantee anything month to month, the week to week, you know, year to year, because it happens so quickly. Yeah. I'd say that that's something that's really been eye opening for me is I, when I think of our business as successful or being successful, it's growth, growing, expanding. Um, but at the same time, I also think of our business being successful is I'm able to delegate to where I can step back. Mm-hmm. And you can't have both. No, you can't. <laughs> you, or there's a season for both. I yeah, yeah. You well, can have both, but it's just not, you can't do it all at once. Yeah, in order to grow, you have to step back. But in order to like transition into new growth, you have to step back in. Yep. And there's this weird dance where it's like, okay, I need to, like for me, I'm like, I'll see less clients. You know, uh, this last year, I, I, I realized the first couple of years I was doing too much. I started getting new therapists, delegating, and then it's like, okay, this year I'm going to see 20 clients a week, and I'm going to do the podcast, and I'm going to go speak places, and I'm going to go out and meet with doctors and market and have build relationships mm-hmm. so everybody else can just show up and see clients. And then the end of the year, it's like, well, I got to step back in. I got to see a little bit more clients because COVID hits. Yep. Like, so let's talk about that. So yeah, I had, I had like 30 speaking engagements. like the year before I spoke like 70 places. Oh, wow. And so then I had out of that, a bunch of speaking engagements and I had to change like marketing styles and I was, had flights booked and then COVID hit and it was like, okay, I got to see more clients again and let's get some new therapists in. And, and that's a whole nother thing. But how, how was that with you guys when COVID hit? What was the... So this was all pre-COVID. Yes. So, so then COVID hit and what happened? So 2020 was our second Mardi Gras season in the bakery. And it was um, a huge season for us. We had just been kind of um, tagged as number one king cake by Louisiana Cooking Magazine That's, in Louisiana. That was huge. Which was huge. But I honestly don't know that we were ready for that. <laughs> and so we had this you know, fantastic, just crazy season. We both kind of came out of it of like, all right, we need to take a breath and just kind of catch our breath and all right, you know, this, this year is going to be about, you know, just figuring out how we can get more efficient and get things going more smooth. And so we really went into early 2020 after Mardi Gras season of like, you know, well, well this will be a relaxing spring. This will be fine. And then COVID hit and, um, everything just kind of changed. Like we had, we shut down twice, um, just because we needed time to really figure out what to do. Um, you know, we saw other business shutting down. Um, we've been very grateful that, you know, we, we haven't been hit directly by it, but it's just, um, meaning we haven't had to close down because of any employees being sick or anything like that. But it it was a scary time because, you know, we had to shut down, figure out what are some new processes and procedures and policies to make sure we're being safe for our employees we're being safe for our customers. And, um, Figuring so, out what's going on. Figuring out what's we going on. We wanted to be on. in control as best you could be in an uncontrollable situation. <laughs> just, in a global pandemic. And, <laughs> a global pandemic. And just being able to adapt. And I, I do think that's one of our strengths is, you know, we're able to 
adapt. If mm-hmm. something's a monkey wrench is kind of thrown our way, we're able to say, okay, we need to problem do this solving next. is problem definitely solving. up there on what we can handle. And um, so you know, we put up our partitions. We figured out we're gonna you know do this to keep our employees safe. We're gonna temperature check every morning. We're gonna um, make sure we're we're doing everything we can um, to you know try to figure this out the best we can. And um, I would say it it has had some good things come out of it business-wise from us because it pushed us to figure out online ordering or mm. website. That was something we had the year before was like, oh yeah, that'd be cool if we had it, but eh. We don't need it. We don't need it. Yeah. And this forced us. It'd be us, nice if we had it. It'd be but, nice if we had it, but yeah. um, this forced us into figuring that out. And that has made life so much easier on the bakery side because now somebody at 11 o'clock at night can be like, oh yeah, I want a king cake Friday. I'll just go ahead and you know order it, pre-order it and for pickup. And it's allowed us to grow in our, our mm-hmm. sales, which has been great. Um, another thing we figured out is for a while there we were doing neighborhood deliveries and um, we could do bulk deliveries to you know certain neighborhoods just to try to you know get things moving because people weren't coming out of their house and um, so that went really well for us and then we developed some new products our pizza kits and our chicken pot pies take and bake items mm-hmm. and um, that's I need to get a pizza kit oh they're so good we'll have it's them back after, after it's Mardi Gras okay. you can't do it all right oh gosh no uh, we'll, we'll have it back after Mardi Gras, but that's been one of like the best things that come out of the pandemic was the pizza kits and the chicken pot pies because it was something that I don't know that we would have done had we not had to figure out, okay, how what are items we can put out there that people are needing and wanting right mm-hmm. now? You have to have time. You have to have time. You know what I'm talking about when you're <laughs> yep. trying to develop what something new I'm going to work on. Absolutely. And um, yeah, me and my administrator laugh all the time because we we find ourselves being in the same problem. She's so busy, you know, doing all the things, and I'm so busy. But we need to slow down to get a better system for something. Uh-huh. But you're like, when am I supposed to stop and slow down? Yeah. And COVID was, mm-hmm. even though it's been terrible, it was a great season. We were doing telehealth, mm-hmm. so although I hated being on the computer every day, it was like okay. But there were some things I got to revamp last year that I would have probably never slowed down to look at yeah. long term. And also, I'm going well. What if we don't go back to face to face? Like, right? We got to have that. Portion. We had to change our business. Yeah. We yeah. had to, we had to think of our business in a different way. And I wouldn't say we had to rebuild it from the ground up, but we definitely had to change some of the foundations for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, but I can truly say that pizza kits are a baby of COVID. <laughs> it would have not, I would never had the time to do that or, and I would never have been happy with it Yeah. as much as I changed with it. Um, I, I really am proud of it though. It's yeah. one of my favorite so things we, that's come from it. We closed down for about a, a month, right around Easter time, around this time last year. Um, and during that time, you know, we took a couple days just to kind of do nothing and hang around the house with the kids and then Preston kind of started tinkering and he likes to get in the kitchen and you know come up with new recipes and so the the pizza kits I think was kind of just a, a fun little uh relief for you honestly he'd take the kids up and they'd go and made probably about 60 different versions before I landed on yeah what we have now that's awesome oh yeah so it's something good to come out the of. kids have fun too I really it's that's part of the reason why it's a pizza kit and not just like a pizza, mm-hmm. um, because it's a family activity. Yeah, it's fun yeah. to put together. Um, kids were, I was having fun with the kids putting it together. And I was like, you know what? This is, they're having fun. I'm having fun doing this. 
we're going to keep it like this. Yeah, and other families, I mean, that's the thing. It's 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 not only something that I mean, who doesn't like pizza, but like that families can do together, and it keeps kind of y'all's culture. And I was going to say, I think that's something about y'all that I love that you know. And I'll say again, but like that culture of not just it's not just a product, but it's who you are and it's your family and it's your kids and it's about family and it's about those things. And, and I know your brother owns his own business and, you know, I'm sure there's lots of cross conversation you know, <laughs> there about things, but the reality is, is like, yeah, you think about it. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit today was in Shreveport, in Bossier, you know, and we can talk about maybe expansion, but like, you know, like <laughs> you might have to get a Bossier office. My, my point is, is that, um, you know, I, I know last year you, or this year, you guys have helped kind of with the bridge over on, on uh, what is that, Ockley? Ockley, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So tell me kind of giving back to the community. How did that start? What's what's happened with all that? So that really started, uh, um, so, you know, we, we live on, on Unadilla Street right by the bridge. And, um, you know, Press and I would walk across that bridge with the kids, you know, multiple times a week. We drive over it multiple times a day. And it really came from just us walking over it being like, oh, like this is such a pretty bridge, but it just kind of looks dingy and it just kind of, you know, could be <laughs> spruced up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, like it's, you know, it's a None shame. lights weren't. Nothing's really, you know, it's just feeling. kind of sitting, it's just kind of neglected almost. And um, so we're like, why, you know, we let's do a community project. Let's, we can, we can put some paint on this and, and it'll just be something neat to just kind of spruce up the neighborhood you know we have a lot of customers that walk to the bakery you know maybe they'll walk over the bridge and come to the bakery and so it really started out as just a thought of like hey this would be cool to do because this would look nice and we uh, reached out to um our our councilman and councilwoman and and asked them like hey you know what do we do can we just show up and and paint this one day like what's the process to do what's the protocol yeah like uh, because um (laughs) you know yeah you want to do it but at the same time you're like we have to do it the right way yeah Yeah, you want to just get out there and paint yeah yeah (laughs) and so um they put us in touch with um uh spar who was really really great to work with and so we sat down um with the kind of uh, heads of spar and just said hey this is we want to do a community project this is something close to our house close to our business we just want to make it you know um a little bit better for the neighborhood how do we do that um really not knowing what what to expect with um their response and they were just like awesome great let's do it here's what we kind of really need to do we need to sand it and prime it and paint it and so it became a bigger project than we initially uh, set out for it to be. Not something you're not we used were to. Expecting, <laughs> yeah. We were expecting no. Kind of a theme. Yeah. Just, just everyone just saying no. Just yeah. that's not something that we're going to let you work on. And that's not something we're going to put yeah. something towards. And then so we were excited blew that our expectations out of the they water. They were excited. Yeah. And they were just excited of like, hey, like, you know, we're glad somebody's kind of taken um, a, 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 a look into this an insight into this and um so we kind of put uh got our plan together and put a call out to the neighborhood that first week and we're like hey we're painting the bridge anybody who wants to come volunteer we'd love to have you come out you know expecting maybe four people four people (laughs) i made it you know a a sign up genius for it and and kind of throughout the neighborhood and we had so many people show up and we're just so excited of just like i've been happy if one person (laughs) and um just showed up and and just looking at it like hey i've driven by this bridge so many times too and have just always seen the peeling paint i'm so excited 
we're doing something about this. Mm-hmm. Got it all, you know, spruced up and, and uh, you know, Preston was out there with his grinder just, you know, grinding it every mm-hmm. single day, you know, for, for weeks, just kind of getting all that first coat of paint off and then we'd prime it and paint it. And um, we still got one more side to finish painting when the weather gets a little warmer. Uh, but then that turned into people saying, hey, it's getting near Christmas. What if we made it a Christmas yeah, yeah. bridge? And mm-hmm. so a Christmas-like committee was formed and, um, we put it out to neighborhood again of like, hey, we're looking to put lights up if anybody wants to donate. Tons of people donated money towards it. So now we have a fund set up to where it's going to be able to support decorating the bridge for years to come. Yeah, because it's got Mardi Gras stuff on it right now, right? Yeah. Yep. And so after, um, the, so the day before we uh, were done decorating it for Christmas, a pipe broke underneath the bridge and shut it off, shut it down. And so we missed out some days for it being decorated for Christmas. So we thought like, well, well, king cake season's coming up. Why don't we just make it a Mardi Gras bridge? It doesn't look like there's going to be parades here anyways this year. And so then it turned into the Mardi Gras bridge. And um, it's just been a really fun mm-hmm. project to, to kind of uh, spearhead and be a part of. And um, it, I'm just happy it made so many people excited about the neighborhood and yeah. just you know proud of where they live. And that's, that's what we want to do. Yeah, and I think that's what's so cool about it is that and I mean, all that's connected to me, right? Having you guys on today, but it's like, from a mental health standpoint, we're in this really crazy American culture of individualism and, and isolation and backyards and not saying hey to our neighbors. And and yet everybody's yearning to connect and be part of something yeah. and be, you know, and no matter what we do, whether it's a bakery or whether it's the fire department or whether it's, you know, whatever business you have, you have the opportunity to bring people in not from a money marketing standpoint, not from a, you know, this is a business, which all those things are important. But when you have community and you have a purpose and a vision for everybody, I think it, it all of those things work out easily. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what I've seen y'all be able to do is just that community bakery feel. And so, I mean, that works. And that was another thing is we kind of learned from running the bakery is you just can't expect things to be done. You can't expect certain things to just tackle things things are there to assist and help but ultimately if you want something done you do need to like gotta take the initiative you yeah. gotta put the energy towards it to actually get it to start and that was part of um a big thing too with us you know being in shreveport like we we initially when we started dating and got engaged you know we had these uh big plans to move off and and you know decided to stay in shreveport and we've seen so many friends move off and and we just really want you know when we decided we're going to be here we're, we're here for good we want to do things to to better the place that we live and the place yeah. that we work and um i think there's a lot more other people out there that have the same kind of mind frame with shreveport of you know they just want to see it thrive we yeah. just want to see it do well and and be a, a happy place and place people are proud of so yeah we're all raising really our kids here yeah i mean all of us want this to be better in five years and 10 years and 20 yeah. years yes. and, and i think we're trending that direction I do too. you know i think uh, this last couple of years with a bunch of other people and you know all their names and i won't name drop all of them but you know there's this community of people who are our age that are really trying to make a difference yeah. and i think it's exciting and um, it may not look like Dallas or it may not look like other things yet, but I think we definitely have the potential to keep uh, doing that. I mean, I truly <clears throat> feel like Shreveport's a cool place and it has its own identity and it's, it's kind of developing its identity more and more each year. Mm-hmm. Um, just with all the, the, um, even just the food scene. I yep. mean, we have an awesome food scene in yep. Shreveport and these restaurants, these local restaurants and these chefs, like it's a really cool place for the population we have. We have fantastic food mm-hmm. and so i'm really glad to kind of 
see that continuing to grow and um you know we we want to see our area do well and, and one thing too with community that's important to us with the bakery um something we haven't really talked about a lot that we do every day is we do a daily donation to um uh christian services or the homeless shelter the rescue mission every day with leftover bread nice and so that's something when we started out we wanted to do our best to have minimum waste you know i, I can't stand throwing out food that's perfectly yeah. good and um so we've partnered up with a couple local organizations and um you know there's a lot of other places in the shreveport doing the same and i i, I think there's the the good in shreveport definitely outweighs the not good so oh um, yeah definitely um so i know we got a few more minutes to wrap up but what are um what are some partnerships because i think that's the other thing where y'all have done really good is kind of partnering with other companies and selling your stuff there and so what are the what are the ones in treeport where people can get your stuff besides at your oh yeah so um we have partnered up with um a good handful of restaurants um corner pantry and bozier uh red river brewing um maryland's place and ralph's place mm-hmm. uh, We've done bread for a good handful of restaurants around that we can get, a, you know, burger on a louder bun. Um, we've also really enjoyed partnering up with other local businesses with like Sweetport. You know, mm-hmm. we did a, a we do a cookie cake ice cream with them, and um, the Revenir right now is a kind of new up and coming, um, fantastic chef team, and they have charcuterie boards that you can get at oh, louder nice. during Valentine's, and um, so it's it's just neat seeing other local businesses that have supported us when we started out and mm-hmm. we want to do the same as you know we want to encourage people to you know grow grow local business in the street for it i think it's such a great thing and um whatever we can do to support we want to do it and whenever it makes sense we'll try and not just move our products there or you know see if you want to purchase our bread to sell it's like a burger bun or something like that but we also try and bring it in as an ingredient like Hummer and Sons we use their honey for oh nice we um, use Mahaffey Farms sausage mm-hmm. um uh hope goat hope goat creamery goat cheese we do Fibel Farms pecans which are local Louisiana pecans that we yeah put. um and then we do all of our milk every single bit of milk used in our bakeries Morel Dairy Farm mm. which is a local dairy and um, that's incredible so just high quality yeah. ingredients mm-hmm. and um you know just supporting other local businesses we really uh we've seen so much support with people supporting us and we, we just want to do what we can also. Yeah. I mean, I think that's incredible. I mean, you know, there's so many parallels and we've talked about this before, but you know, being connected here and being a, a mental health agency and an integrated wellness center that like meets with doctors and Oshner and you know, the VA and you know, we have these, these relationships, right. Mm-hmm. That then help our business do really well. And that's ultimately what it's about is like trust and reciprocation and, in the and and not getting in this competitive mindset that oh well I've got to kind of only have this and if I give you any or you know go this direction that somehow I'm going to be missing out but like no if we're all sharing and trusting and building and obviously you got to have boundaries but like you know it, it's actually going to be better for all of us the city you know the Absolutely. state um, Absolutely. we kind of told ourselves from the get go we didn't we want to get along with everybody it doesn't yeah. matter who you are yeah. Um, and that's been something that's um, so important to us. Like even, you know, um, we're great friends with Julianne's and, yeah. and Lila's are such nice people and we all do king cakes and that's okay. Like we all have our own Absolutely. style and, and people can have their favorites and, you know, just buy local and, and um, you know, a, a 
rising tide, you know, was saved. Lifts all ships. Lifts all ships. It's such, I truly, truly believe that. And and that's something that, you know, um, it hasn't hurt us. It doesn't hurt them. We feel like it helped. We all do well. We tries everything up. And it brings credibility, right? We were talking about this the other day with like EMDR and trauma informed care. And, you know, I'm always pushing that. And it's kind of the same thing. Like one thing that sets us apart is being trauma informed, being addiction of, informed but also being able to you know bring some theology into it and and not be christian counselors but be christians who counsel Mm -hmm. people who have faith but also like i see atheists and buddhists and you know people who do things that i don't agree with or disagree you know like but that's not the point it's we're going to be in this together and we're going to walk alongside it together Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like there's no competition because the need is so great Mm-hmm. You know, if everybody got trained in, in EMDR and Treeport, great, because that's there's way too many people to see that need trauma care. And it's the same thing with y'all. Like, whether it's King Hague or not, there's so many people that if you do it well and you do it right, everybody's fine. Oh, yeah. And, and just even... And I'm not saying everything is like that, but a lot sure. more of it is like that than people, I think, give credit for. Well, they feel like, oh, I have to have this niche, and if anybody else is doing it, then I'm not going to be successful. And I feel like Mardi Gras and Shreveport, the more we can grow Mardi Gras and Shreveport, the better for everything related to Mardi Gras. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it really is something we've been um, just excited to see, just the support kind of across the board, and it's just... We have a neat community here. Absolutely. Uh, closing comments. Anything that y'all would tell kind of a, a new starting business, you know, to, to do or to look out for tips? Oh, man. It's going to be a um, – each thing is going to be different. But I will say that Sarah and I are always here um, if there's anyone that ever wants to reach out and talk or have questions you know we're more than happy to. for sure and just you know you don't have to have it all figured out i think just having as much figured out as you you can um you know as you can and, and just taking a leap of faith i think that's the that was the biggest first step for us yeah. is just stepping out and doing it and you know you'll, you'll kind of solve the problems as you go mm-hmm. um and you know it's, it's worth it it's really worth it it's it's really we still look up and can't believe we're only two years into having our storefront bakery and um it's a lot of hard work and you know there's good days and bad days but it's it's all worth it yeah what's what's been that transition to wrap up like what before being you know working the icu busting your butt selling houses and real estate and making good money and having a good career What's kind of your mental health stance now? Even though, like for me, I, I mean, I love my job now. I go home every day thankful for it. And it, but it has it has different stressors. But man, for me, it's way better. So I'm assuming right. that's how it is for you guys. But what are the kind of pros of that? It's definitely a, gif- a different stress. Definitely. Um. I would say one of the biggest challenges <laughs> for me is being able to, um, you know, it's impossible not to bring work home when you own a small business yeah, and your you're thing. also working with your spouse. And so um, being able to have kind of boundaries of like, all right, I'm turning off my work brain and yeah, you know, yeah. turning on, on my family brain um, and just kind of having a little bit of a separation between the two. Um, but I mean, I would say it definitely comes with different stressors, but I just, I, feel a lot of um just happiness and accomplishment of being able to do what we do and i'm just excited we get to do something we love and people support it so mm-hmm. it's, it's just a really great feeling awesome Preston. i can tell i mean i can tell a, a, a physical physical i feel physically better mm-hmm. um it was it was really kind of taking a toll on me more than I re- realized mm-hmm. before I made the transition. Now I still have stress. Well, yeah, 
Um, and in some ways more, right? When it's your name on it. Yes. Well, especially, and in, in you're having to plan for, you know, you're responsible for other people's livelihoods now. Like you have people working, you know, at your bakery and, um, you know, it is definitely a whole different stress, but to me, it's also kind of a neat, um, realization knowing that, you know, we're pretty much in control of what decisions we make and we can kind of adapt and adjust as needed. And, um, so I'd, I'd say overall it's, it's been really great. Well, I know your kids enjoy it. I know, you know, they've loved having you <laughs> home and y'all being there and, you know, oh, yeah. doing the whole, you know, baking shop and getting to do the food and, I mean, delicious. How do you keep, you know, your figure with all this food? That's the other question. <laughs> Chasing around all these Yeah, kids. exactly. When you have three, it's like you burn 5,000 calories True. a day. Just running around after them all. And, and it, you know, really, I have my favorite items at the bakery, but I've, I've had to be like, all right, I'm going to have this once a week. Not, yeah, not I'm sure snack on it every I'm sure day. it's hard because it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, but it, you're moving so fast. Right. Yeah. I don't really stop to... I may try something, but it's just a bite, just to make quality control kind of yeah. thing. Um, I do walk by the case every day, and I'll see the cinnamon rolls, and I just about want to get a cinnamon roll every single day, but I don't. <laughs> I would say those are probably that or the uh, I don't remember which I were making. Was it when you did the like cookies with the stuff in the middle and there's like cookie two sandwiches? Oh my gosh, yeah. those are too much. I mean, I remember y'all would post them, and I'd be like getting off work and I would try to come by and like there'd be either one left or like none left, and I'd be like, oh. I'm like texting you to bro bring me. <laughs> well, look, this has been super fun. Any any questions? I always kind of usually ask people: Is there anything uh, that you're asking why about, or kind of that you're in a phase of kind of trying to figure out right now that um, is just kind of going around in your head? Oh gosh, just uh, for me, just trying to find a balance of um, you know things are going great with the bakery, you know, just uh, keeping it um, steady like it is, or when do we look at it growing more and when do we look at just kind of keeping still and so finding a balance with that has um it's the always a question that you're talking about yes. yeah that's what it is it's yeah. do i jump back in and do, what do we do or do i figure out how i can step back and be content oh, yeah yep. yeah it's a it's it's a strategy you know we're trying to figure some things out and open it a business and you know then we open the Bozier office and then the Ruston office and now I got people for like a year and a half who want an Alexandria and Pineville office and, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how do I do that and, and maintain? Cause I, I'm like, y'all, I want to be home with my kids. Mm-hmm. So people ask me all the time, like, how do you do all the things you do? And I'm like, I do them between eight and five, <laughs> you know, like, so yeah. I have to move something. I have to negotiate something because I'm not going to do them at six o'clock or seven thirty. but it is hard because there are certain, you know, I have to tell Jason, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take five minutes. I have to respond to this email <laughs> or I have to do this, you know, and that's just something you have to find a balance from. And so typically I get home and put the phone up and, and leave it so I don't have to look at it. And then I'm just like, that'll have to be a tomorrow thing. But I think that is a current, and like you're saying, that's just going to be continual. Well, you know? and, and uh, us choosing to only be open five days a week, like that's that's kind of our way of setting some boundaries for us of like, yeah. we're going to have two days yep. <laughs> where the bakery's closed. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a constant back and forth struggle. Yeah, the thing I would remind people is, you know, at some point money is money mm-hmm. and you can't get your time back with your kids and your family. It's not going to increase your quality of life. You know, like at, at some point, no matter how much more money you make, you're not any happier mm-hmm. and you know, you can buy a different car or a different vacation, but your increase in happiness on those things are, are nothing. 
but you're increasing happiness when you're spending time with your family and your friends and you're at peace with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You can't put a dollar sign on it. And so there's always that negotiation of, yeah, if we did this and expanded or we did this talk or I flew here, I would make 2,500 bucks or I'd do this or, but it's like, yeah, but I mean, but then I have to go do it. Is it worth it? Yeah, yeah. It's the time. And then, you know, that's a weekend and you know, it's like, that's the constant thing I think as business owners, people, it's a great problem to have, but it's a thing that I think people don't aren't prepared for until you get in it. And oh, then you're yeah. like, oh, this is not, it's not just about income. And like, then somehow I, I get that income and I just coast, you know, cause when you're successful, it just keeps going and there's potential. Like I know y'all have tons of potential to do so much more and, and I'll just keep praying for you guys. I'm so proud of y'all and you Thank know, all you they so are much. doing. You know, I totally support everything you're doing. And, and I hope that, you know, if you're listening on here and you're in Treeport and Bossier or anywhere around or even online, like visit uh, Louder's Bakery. So give them kind of your Instagram, Facebook, sure. website stuff. So um, our, we have an a active Facebook page and Instagram page. Um, Louder Baking Co. is our handle. And then our website's louderbaking.com, L-O-W-D-E-R baking.com. Yeah and has uh, our full menu on there and you can kind of check out social media and uh, we're, we're pretty regular on posting lots of pictures of baked goods. So it's awesome. We'd love for you to come visit. Yeah. I'll put that on the, uh, on our YouTube channel and on our iTunes and all that stuff. So people can just follow the link and awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Yay. Thank yeah, you for thank having, you for us, having on. us on. Yeah, this is awesome. Okay guys, uh, subscribe to our channel, follow us, um, clintdaviscounseling.com. You can go on there and get the um, podcast or you can follow to our Facebook or Instagram, uh, Instagram. We constantly are trying to post positive, encouraging things for people to, you know, get their mental health in order. Appreciate the louders coming on. Thank you. Thank you.